So tomorrow is Memorial Day. It's a day that Americans have set aside to remember uh, those who have died in the service of their country uh, in the military. We had a moment of silence a little bit earlier in the service, which I think reflects that God can lay claim even uh, to holidays and observances that aren't necessarily Christian per se. Um, there are some voices, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but there are some people who would say that you should never observe Mother's Day in church, or you shouldn't uh, think about July the 4th in church, or you shouldn't think about Veterans Day in church. And over the years, as I processed that whole argument that, that these are national or patriotic things, they're not specifically Christian, I've come to believe that God lays claim to everything. There is nothing that God doesn't lay claim to that isn't His. There are two very important footnotes to this. By the way, the word that we use, the highfalutin word we use in theology for this is God sanctifies everything that we give to Him. God sanctifies it. He claims it. He makes it His own. There are two important footnotes to this. The first is, it's actually His already. We, we give it to Him. We present it to Him, and He lays claim to it. But the secret is, it was all His to begin with, everything is God's. There's nothing that is outside of God. There's nothing that's, that, that He needs to fight for. He's not like Zeus or Thor where He has enemies and He has to fight to, to actually win. God doesn't have to fight anyone. God speaks and it is done. This is one of the fairly unique things about Christianity in comparison to other religions, something Christianity shares with the other monotheistic faiths, and that is this. Because we believe that God created the universe out of nothing, Everything is His. He doesn't have to fight or struggle with the creation to take something over. It's all His. He created it. He owns it. And yet, for some reason, in the mystery of His will, He wants us to give it, to give our stuff to Him. He wants us to give Him our stuff. It's His already. He could take it. But for some reason, He wants us to give it to Him. And when we give it to Him, He sanctifies it. He lays claim to it. He takes it. He makes it His own. So the first important footnote to the fact that God claims the parts of our lives that may not at first glance seem to be particularly spiritual is that it's all His already. But there's a second aspect to this claiming, this sanctifying that God dis, does, and that is that sometimes there are aspects to what He lays claims to that don't fit with Him. And in those cases, He cleanses them. So when God sanctifies something, He claims it, and if necessary, He cleanses it. Well, thankfully, the Lord did not ask me to talk about the claiming and cleansing of Memorial Day uh, this morning. At least, I don't think uh, He called me to do that. I'm sure Pastor Steve would love to start a service uh, series on God and country where he can, you know, preach on July 4th and eventually end on Veterans Day. Uh, but thankfully, the Lord hasn't called me to uh, to preach on anything like that uh, this morning, but I do want to talk about one little sliver of what you might talk about uh, in a, a, a series like that, and that is, is that God wants to sanctify, He wants to claim and cleanse our fighting, our fighting, our striving, and I don't mean war, I mean our personal battles and fightings that we do. God wants to, to sanctify them. And I want to talk about four different scenarios and ways that God claims and, in some cases, cleanses our propensity 
to fight or to, to strive. First of all, sometimes God doesn't want us to fight because we're wrong. Sometimes we're in the wrong fight and we don't realize it. Of course, the first biblical figure that pops into my mind when I think about that scenario is the Apostle Paul for the first half of his life. Do you know the story? The Apostle Paul was completely, he wasn't the Apostle Paul then, he was completely convinced that these horrible Christians needed to be stopped. These Christians were, this, these Jesus followers were ungodly and they needed to be hauled in and taught a lesson. And so for the first phase of Paul's life, he was fighting, he thought, for God against these Christians. And yet he was, as we all know, and he eventually found out, completely and utterly wrong. That's got to be sobering to think about that, that somebody could be so convinced that they were fighting for God, and yet they weren't on the right team. I wish there was a special God Facebook messaging that God would send me a message when I'm fighting for the wrong things on, on Facebook, um, or, or whenever I'm involved with something and I'm on the wrong trajectory, I'm on the wrong team, I wish, I wish there were kind of a, an easy kind of way that I could find that out. Um, here's a sobering example. It's a little sensitive, but I won't tell you what church it was uh, many of you will, will figure it out, and I won't tell you what the issue was, but a, a little over a week ago, I was listening in to a meeting of a church, and this church was on the very verge of splitting and becoming maybe two or three different uh, churches. And there were more than two sides, but uh, for the sake of simplicity, I'll say that there were two sides in this big debate uh, that they were having. And here's the funny thing, the thing that was so fascinating to me. Both sides were completely and utterly convinced that they were fighting for God's side. Now, something tells me that that just can't be the case. But let me tell you the kinds of things that each side was saying. So the one side was saying, we need to pray. That sounds good, doesn't it? We need to pray about this. Let's take 30 minutes and stop our discussions and let's just pray. Well, that, that sounds really spiritual and really good. And they were saying things like, we need to be unified. Our unity is more important than for us to divide over, over these issues. Well, that's biblical too. Unity, it's, it's, it's right there. It's in Scripture. And they were also saying, we need to love one another. Let's stop and share our stories so that we can be loving toward each other. Well, obviously that was the right side, right? They're talking about praying and about unity and about love. Well, what was the other side saying? Well, the other side was saying, we need to get back to Scripture. We need to follow what the Bible teaches here. We need to get back to what God has commanded us and obey the Father who knows all things. We need to be orthodox. We need to keep with the teaching that the church in all times and all places has, has taught. Well, that sounds really good, doesn't it? We need to stand up for the articles of religion that time and true throughout the centuries are here. Well, both sides were absolutely convinced that they were right. The one side saying prayer and unity and love, and the other side saying Scripture and orthodoxy and that which we've always believed. And yet, since they were on diametric sides of the issue, somebody had to be wrong. I won't, I won't make a venture, uh, but it's an example of how we can be completely convinced that we are in the right 
and yet maybe not be in the right. Well, how can we tell? How can we tell when we're fighting for the wrong thing? Well, I think prayer is a good start. Uh, prayer for us and to open ourselves up. Some of us are natural-born fighters. Maybe you've taken a psychology class at some point. Uh, there, there's this fight versus flight thing. Uh, I think some of us are prone to fight, and some of us are prone to flight. And for those of us who are prone to fight, we like a fight. We like a good fight. Probably we especially need to be careful to ask ourselves and to stop and say, is this really God's fight that I'm about to jump into? Because we just like to fight anyway. And so that personality probably especially needs to take some time and ask, am I really on the right side? Um, I was thinking in between the first and second service, I thought of a Judy, a Judy story that I had. When I was in college, I was wrestling with something, and I was totally convinced that I knew what God thought about that, that issue. I won't tell you what it is, it's embarrassing, but I was completely and utterly convinced that I knew uh, what was right. And at that time, uh, Judy was uh, down at Southern Wesleyan uh, as a, a kind of an RD kind of person, and I met with her, and she said, well, you know, just maybe, just pray, Lord, if I'm wrong, would you, would you show me? I mean, and I, I thought to myself, I'm not wrong. I know what the right answer is on this particular issue, but, you know, I'm submiss I want to be submissive to the Lord. I'm going to pray. And I prayed, Lord, if I am wrong on this issue, please show me. And I'm thinking, I'm not wrong, but if I'm wrong on this issue, please show me. And so, if I've turned out in a way that you don't like, it's entirely Judy's fault. Um, because to my great surprise, I found my, my understandings of that particular issue changing over the course of the, of the next year. I don't know how God does it, but I'm convinced that if we are truly and utterly surrendered to Him, He will help us see uh, that we are fighting for the wrong side, that we're on the wrong uh, trajectory or on the wrong team, even in the case of Paul. And so, sometimes we want to fight, but we're not fighting for the right thing. And that's, that's the kind of fighting, one kind of fighting that God wants to cleanse and He wants to sanctify and He wants to cleanse it and, and take away that particular kind of fight. There's another kind of fighting that God wants to claim, and that's when it's not His will for us to flight, fight. We might be right. Now, here's the difference. In the first case, we want to fight, but we're wrong and we shouldn't fight because we're wrong. There is another scenario where we want to fight, we're right, God agrees with this, but He doesn't want us to fight. This is the tough one. This is where we are right. We're on God's side. We know what God thinks, and yet His will for us at this time is not to fight. Here's an even scarier scenario, my least favorite of the options. And yet, this is sometimes the case. We're right, God's on our side, but He doesn't want to fight, and in fact, it's His will for us to lose at this time. Sometimes, God tells us not to fight because He wants us, for whatever reason, in the mystery of His will, it's not our time to win, and He wants us to submit and to lose. Now, surely this can't be the case. Surely God would never want us to lose even though we're right. But I have a pretty good example of this in the New Testament. His name's Jesus. Jesus was completely and utterly in the right. 
There's no question Jesus versus the priests, Jesus versus, versus Pilate. Jesus is completely and utterly in the right, and yet it was not God's will at that time uh, for Jesus to beat uh, the Sadducees or to beat the priests or to beat Pilate. It was His will, God's will at that time for Jesus to submit Himself and go to the cross. Now, don't get me wrong, there is another side to this story. Uh, there's, there's the New Testament uh, teaching that Jesus will come again. Uh, he's riding a horse, I think, in the book of Revelation. And so, Jesus will come back triumphant uh, in the end. We only have half of the biblical teaching if we only know the, the one side of Jesus. But for that time, it was God's will that Jesus submit to evil authorities uh, and to lose. You know, Peter, I think, sometimes gets a bad rap. Um, we think of Peter sometimes as a, as a coward, and I, I certainly believe that on the day of Pentecost he got a, a, you know, a real infusion of power on the day of Pentecost, but I don't think that Peter was so much a coward in the garden as he was confused. I mean, he's not even concealed carried. He's got the sword open, out in the open. He's ready and willing to cut off someone's ear at the drop of a hat. You know, he's ready to fight, I think. I think Peter was ready to fight in the Garden of Gethsemane. What he wasn't ready was to lose, which is what God wanted him to do on that particular occasion. The book of 1 Peter um, is, is a book about submitting to those who are in authority even in a time when they are completely wrong. Um, in 1 Peter 2, servants are told to submit to their masters even uh, when they are not in the right. And 1 Peter 3 talks about uh, wives submitting to their husbands even when their husbands are unbelievers. And I like, there's something about the Greek here. I know I'm not supposed to mention Greek in a sermon, but um, there's something about the Greek here that I think is really neat. Um, it has a connotation of, I think, choosing to submit. This is not a weak submission in 1 Peter 2 and 1 Peter 3. It's a conscious choice to submit to those who are ungodly because that is God's will at this particular time. And so, God sanctifies our fighting sometimes by cleansing it and telling us, ah, you're on the wrong side on this one, Sometimes God sanctifies our fighting by telling us not to fight, and it's His will for us to lose. That's the one I like the least. Sometimes it's God's will for us not to fight because He's going to win for us. This is the one that was read in the Scripture in Exodus chapter 14. Israel is in the desert. They've left Egypt. They had a horrible situation in Egypt. They were slaves. There's a word in, in this. They say, well, I would have rather been a slave the rest of my life than to die out here in the desert. There's a word in that for us in that sometimes it's easier for, easier for us to stay in a miserable circumstance rather than trust God for something greater that may involve us going through some hard times in, in the process. But um, that's a different sermon. But here, God says, okay, it's obvious you guys couldn't win against the Egyptians if you tried. You're, you're facing the Red Sea on the one side, an Egyptian army you can't beat on the other side. But, and God told them not, there was no question of them fighting. They were not equipped to fight, but it was God's will for them to win because He would do the fighting for them. This is one of my favorite of the scenarios. That's because I don't have to fight, but God makes me win anyway. Um, and this is, I mean, in this, isn't this great to have God as your champion? 
And of course, God is always our champion. Even when God lets us lose on a particular occasion, He's still our champion. He'll still, we still are triumphant with Him in the end. We'll still be part, we will still reign with Him in the kingdom of God. But sometimes, even in this earth, at this time, God fights our battles for us and we win. That's, that's my favorite of, of all the scenarios, where He tells us not to fight, but He does the fighting for us and He wins. I didn't get into a lot of uh, fights in, uh, when I was a child. In fact, I really, none of them really count. They were pretty weak, any tussles I had with neighborhood kids. Let's just say I've never fought. Uh, but if I, had, if I had to face a fight, if I had to face somebody who was pretty strong, I would sure like to have a champion on my side, like, like God. I was watching a TV show uh, recently where there was a person who clearly would have won if he had to fight. Uh, but he was able to pick a champion, you know, to fight for him, who then went on to lose. But that's not important right now. God never loses. Wouldn't it be great if we could picture in our minds that no matter what conflict or struggle we're in, God is our champion. God is the one who is fighting for us. And so this is the third kind of fighting or not fighting. That sometimes we want to fight, but God doesn't want us to fight. It's not His fight. Sometimes God doesn't want us to fight because it's His will for us to lose at this time. Sometimes God doesn't want us to fight, but He fights for us and we win, which leads to the final scenario, and that is in those cases where God does want us uh, to fight. I'd rather say God wants us to strive. God wants us to struggle. God wants us to, to fight for something. What kinds of situations are these? Let me first suggest that I have a hunch that most of the time God doesn't want us to strive. I think probably, as I read the New Testament, it is a, a minority of cases where God actually wants us um, to strive and to, to, to fight in, in this kind of way. But I do think that there are two very clear instances in Scripture where fighting is usually in order. But I don't think it's necessarily where we think it is. One of the places where I think the Bible teaches us that it's appropriate for us to strive and to fight is when others are in harm's way. That is, when we are fighting for those who cannot fight uh, for themselves. There is a tendency, you know, I, I mentioned that there are people who love to fight, people who, who just are looking uh, for a fight. And a lot of times when I've engaged this, this uh, this type of personality, they often like to think of themselves as being somewhat prophetic. They like to think, I'm being like the prophets who stuck it to the people who needed to hear what God had to say to them, or that they think they're being like Jesus who stuck it to the Pharisees, stuck, you know, he, he told the man off. They're, the picture of Jesus they have is a Jesus who likes to get into conflict. They, they, picture, they create Jesus in their own image and see, Jesus is somebody who is always looking to pick a fight with Pharisees or with, with religious leaders. But I actually don't think this is an accurate understanding of Jesus or the prophets. I don't think that the prophets or Jesus went after people because they were against stuff, because they wanted to correct other people's ideas, or they wanted to set their ideas straight. Um, and, and so forth, or I'm going to stick it to those liberals, you know, those liberal Pharisees. The Pharisees weren't really that liberal. Um, Jesus, when He went after people, 
usually did it because people were oppressing those who didn't have the power to defend themselves, or when they were keeping people out, when the tax collectors or the prostitutes were being kept out of the kingdom. That's what really ticked Jesus off. When people were putting obstacles uh, between, you know, you've made my house, which is a house of prayer, a den of thieves. You are keeping people from praying in my house. You are taking advantage of people in my house. You are focusing on the minor and missing out on the major. Um, when the prophets got upset, there were two issues in particular that especially ticked off the prophets. One of them, of course, was serving other gods and idolatry. But the second thing that really angered the prophets was when those who were powerless and had no way of making through life were being oppressed by those who had power and those who were in authority. That's what really ticked off uh, the prophets, what we call social justice issues in the prophets. Justice in the prophets is not about the blind uh, lady who's, who's balancing out things in a very Western, rational kind of way. Justice in the Old Testament is about um, sticking up for those who don't have the power uh, to stand up uh, for themselves. And, and so I think often we find in the Bible that God is behind us striving to try to help those who are being oppressed and to help those who are not uh, uh, being treated right or those who are being kept out of the kingdom uh, because we don't like them or we don't like the way they look or we don't like the things they do. And this is one of the kinds of fighting that we find Jesus and the prophets doing um, in, in the Bible. There's another kind of fighting, and that is a fighting, a striving with people to help them. And I immediately thought of the Corinthian church when I thought about this, this kind of striving. Paul is constantly struggling with the Corinthian church. Paul loves the Corinthian church, but they're all messed up. I'm so glad that they were messed up because we wouldn't have these rich letters in the New Testament if they hadn't been so completely messed up. Um, there's this, this one uh, man in 1 Corinthians 5 who's actually sleeping with his, his father's wife. Um, and I, I, it's kind of hard for me to figure out what's going on here, but I think he actually thinks he's keeping Paul's teaching, carrying out Paul's teaching, because Paul said, we're not under the law. And that's not under the law, you know, to sleep with your, your father's wife. It says, Paul says, you guys are proud was there somebody who was actually proud? Look, we're not under the law here. We even have a guy sleeping with his father's wife. We're really spiritual uh, here at Corinth. And Paul strove. He, he strove with the, he, he fought with the church at Corinth, not because he needed sin, but because he wanted them uh, to be part of the kingdom. If you go on in chapter 5 to read what Paul said, yes, he does say to deliver this man over to sin, which does sound somewhat harsh. But if you go on, he says, deliver this man over to Satan for the destruction of his body so that his spirit might be saved on the day of Christ. Paul actually wants this guy to make it into the kingdom of God. This man doing such a horrific thing, such a thing that goes so much against the Old Testament law, and yet Paul is striving with him in hopes that he will be redeemed. His fighting with this man is redemptive. 
It's because He wants him to be saved. And so, yes, I do think there are some times when God wants us to fight, but usually it's because He wants us to fight for people, because He wants us to see other people be in the kingdom of God, because He wants us to stop others from being oppressed and to be, to be freed uh, from the bondage that they're in. These are the kinds of circumstances that I believe uh, are part of God sanctifying the, a, a fight when God wants us to fight. And so, God must have all of our lives. There can be no part of our lives that we do not surrender to God. God is God. That's what being God is. Sometimes I feel like we don't know what a God is. A God is kind of supreme. A God owns everything. Everything belongs to God. God has a claim, whether we realize it or not, on every aspect of our life. He wants to make every aspect of our life His own, and if there are parts of our life that don't fit with Him, He wants to cleanse and to remove them. And this includes our strivings and our fightings. Sometimes we're in the wrong fight. It's God's will for us not to fight because it's not His fight and we're on the wrong side and He wants us to stop fighting. Sometimes God doesn't want us to fight even though we're right. Sometimes when God doesn't want us to fight, it's His will for us to lose, for us to submit ourselves, to choose to submit to those who are in the wrong. Sometimes, happily, God doesn't want us to fight, but He fights for us, and we win, as with the Egyptians and the Israelites. And then lastly, there are some times when God wants us to fight, but usually it's because He wants us to fight for others, both protecting others and also fighting for the salvation of others. So, tomorrow is Memorial Day. It is a day in which we remember those who have died in the service of their country in the military. It is a, it is a day that God can claim because everybody is created in the image of God. Everybody is God's. There was a poet who once said, everyone's death diminishes me because I am involved with humankind. And so it is with the death of all people God is concerned because God loves everyone. And especially God honors those who die for a friend. Jesus says in John 15, no one has greater love than this, than to die for a friend. And in Romans 5, uh, God says that God demonstrates His love for us in that when we were still sinners, His enemies, Christ died for the ungodly. And so it is completely appropriate for us as Christians uh, to remember those who have died while serving others.